Hey, welcome to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. And hi, I'm Mark, and I'm the founder and CEO of Blockhead. Hello, I'm Bosley and Jose Bo, everybody. <laughs> Jose Bo, everybody. Welcome Jose, back. Jose. Jose Bo, right? Hey, wow, we we <laughs> we damn long there do this. Uh. How long have we not been doing this? Two weeks, uh. Two weeks. Two weeks, uh. two weeks yeah, yeah, two weeks. I feel two so weeks, I feel yeah. so weird, uh. Like two, two weeks, weeks not doing yeah. it. And these two weeks, so many things happen. So many things happen, right? So so how, how have your two weeks been actually? Are you are you asking on a personal front or like you know does it have to be relevant to what we what we're talking about? Oh today? no, it's okay. Go for it. Right? People should get to know you a little bit more, right? Like what your personal front struggle with kids, I think, or something. No, no, it's, it's been good. It's been good. No, all good, man. I, I don't have any complaints really. Uh, I've been in a good mood. Noise, noise, <laughs> and I, I think I think uh, a big part of that also is you see like you know like the crypto markets pumping, so it's great. Mm-hmm. Bossly very wholesale, yeah. right? Recently. Uh okay yeah. Uh, got airdrop. Uh. <laughs> what what is got airdrop? What does that even mean? Got airdrop. You know about this thing that uh that you participate in the test net of uh, oh, a certain chain. Okay, 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 okay. You participate like new chain, but mm. the that chain doesn't have a token yet. And mm. uh if you participate in it, you test, you uh, give feedback. Then after when they go live, they release their token. Then they yeah, airdrop yeah. you a certain amount. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so you're like the beta so, testers uh, that that, that make it work, right? It's like magic internet money. Yeah, magic internet money. Awesome. And, and you have exited in the open market already. Yeah. So things are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice, nice, nice. So I think I think we have three interesting stories, uh, especially after two weeks of not coming on to talk about different stories. I think this week, yeah, this, <laughs> this one is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I think this, there's quite a lot to cover today. Yeah, and quite yeah. Uh, uh, quite a booming few weeks, lah. Huh? Okay, so mm. I'm gonna start with the first story. Uh, once again, Bitcoin is up seventy percent year to date, right? And uh, crypto generally has benefited from the bullish market recently, right? Especially from some of the narratives, right, where the bank sector is struggling combined with low liquidity um, some of these traditional assets um, essentially are not performing that well and uh, for some reason or another uh, Bitcoin is coming back up right and uh, some of the correlation studies here show that Bitcoin and gold has hit a multi-year high right and yeah we will see where the market continue to brings us uh, but what are your take right Bitcoin up 70% year to date what is the hot take guys Hot takes, sir. Mm. I, <laughs> I don't know, man, Reggie. I, I think I've, I've had enough of hot takes, really. I mean, I'll, I'll give a more like serious one. <laughs> good, good, good. Please, please come. Okay, look. Okay, so, so you know, we, we've been tracking, uh, you know, like uh, Bitcoin for like in some time already. And the narrative or like, you know, the use case that it's supposed to, you know, to offer an alternative to like traditional finance, you know, and how it's supposed to act as a hedge on inflation, right? You know, that, that is not a new narrative, right? So what is interesting to me is that you know, why is it pumping now, right? Because if you look at how inflation has just been sky high for the past like one or two years, right? Like, you know, you would think that, you know, this this would have come earlier, right? But I think that at this point, it's all about narratives. So I, I think that what is interesting here is that perhaps the world is essentially voting with their dollars right now. And like, you know, like they're looking at Bitcoin as a potential, I wouldn't call it a safe haven, but like, you know, like a, a an alternative to traditional banking. And that's obviously influenced by the banking crisis, that's happening right now. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Okay. Right. But I mean, nothing has changed, right? It's Bitcoin is still Bitcoin, you know? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, I think that what, what is interesting for the audience or for myself is, you know, like how it has benefited from um, the banking crisis and then how this ties into, 
you know, some of the narratives that the Bitcoin maxis have been touting over the past, you know, for years. Yeah. Actually, I did. Uh, I, I got a question. Re- Reggie, you own Bitcoin or not? Yes, I do. Interestingly, I have actually opened a position. So that is a, that is interesting. Oh, but yeah. you don't believe yeah. it? Uh, oh, it is a hedge. Okay, 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 okay. Right. So it is a risk managed structure. Oh, right. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a maxi. Oh, okay. Right, okay. right. But I am concerned about US dollar decoupling. Yeah. But it will not happen like one now, like this year or next year. It's going to take like maybe a decade or two, right? But it looks like it's, at least that's my my point of view. I know a lot of crypto guys think differently. Mm. But for me, uh, the US dollar looks like it's increasingly getting dumped by a lot of major countries, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, slowly it may trickle down or it will trickle down if nothing is done. And so yeah, um, it's just a hedge law for me. Yeah, so I'm the I'm the one percenter, or now people say uh, the five percenter, right? The people say, oh, you're okay, you're five percent, a one percent, you know, you just kind of hedge it. Uh, I'm I'm not a maxi, yes. I mean, and I, I think that I, I share your sentiment, Reggie. Oh, I mean, like okay. I'm definitely not a maxi as well. Uh, I I don't know how uh, Bosley feels about this. Bosley is a maxi la. Oh, I, I well, what is a maxi to you? It's like all in Bitcoin only. I mean, I, I think that the term Bitcoin maxi here is really used to kind of, you know, so for example, when when you talk about crypto, right? Like it's like Bitcoin or bus, you know, like like nothing else, maybe Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? Or all the, everything else oh. is just kind of noise, oh. right? I think that, that that is one way to look at oh. it. But I think also how how this functions in, in your portfolio, I think it's a, it's a, it's a separate question or like all allocations you have decided to do. La. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Uh, like the way you use uh, Bitcoin as an asset to hedge financial portfolio, and the way that you think uh, what Bitcoin is uh, can be very different. So uh, I'm not a Bitcoin maxi. Like, it's not like I only own Bitcoin if you classify Bitcoin maxi that way. But mm. let me bring bring us back, right? So I, I feel that uh, I agree with Reggie. We, it's unlikely that the like the USD will like dissolve or suddenly disappear in the next one or two years. Uh, at least this is what I think as well and uh, i've been reading like uh, this this guy called real uh, he, he did the article or rather he wrote the book new world order is it uh, have you all heard about it where there's a transition in power each time when uh for the reserve currency so there's a metric right so you're uh, in the economy your education your productivity your technology will go up first then you will become because you are dominant in economic power then you will become the uh, reserve currency and that yes. was what happened to the pound right but slowly after the economic power start to lose then your reserve currency will start to lose its power so then transit to become us uh, and it takes a long period of time right it's like 80 100 years and uh, yes. not, I, I must say i'm not so smart so in that book <laughs> it states that the the peak of education technology productivity for the us already peaked 20 years ago so right now, according to him, like, it's like slowing playing out, like the USD being a reserve currency, is it losing its power mm. because the innovation already picked 20 years ago. It still takes some time. It's not like immediate then they were. This thing about BTC going to 1 million in 90 days, uh, I really think that this is the narrative and also the headline that the media are putting out. Mm. They need to understand that BTC reached a million in 90 days is because the USD pack, right? Mm. That because it's BTC slash USD, it's not because USD equals to $1 and BTC is $1 million. It's because USD goes less than $1, right? So let's say it becomes $0.10. Cent. So you have BTC divided by $0.10, cent, you have $1 million of uh, mm. BTC price. 
So uh, but on Twitter, it gets, you know, like, because it's a very nice thing to hear, uh, BTC to 1 million, then all the media just boom. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. I think, but for some, for some context here, like what, what's really happening here is that, you know, how this came about, right? It's because, you know, you have uh, the ex-Coinbase CEO, Balaji, right? So uh, he placed a bet of 1 million and 1 BTC that the price of Bitcoin will reach 1 million in 90 days. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's where like, all the hype is coming from. <laughs> I have thoughts on this. Eh. I, I think Balaji did two things very well. Or rather, there's a pros and cons. The pros side is, uh, by placing this bet, right, he leveraged on $1 million because he took out $1 million of his own to do this bet, right? I, I'm not sure whether the bet went through or not, but it did bring attention to BTC, right? It brings in new money or at least get people interested. <laughs> And get people to understand about this thing. Right, that's a plus side, right? So at least that's how I feel. The, mm. Of course, the downside is uh, new people coming in or some people might not get the context mm. that it's not because BTC going to 1 million, but it's because the, the US hyperinflation and US dollars lose its power. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, the, it's all part of market uh, making. So I might take on the pros and cons. Yes, yes, yes. Hot take, all part of market making. But I actually want to establish a little bit further why I even have a position in in BTC, right? So um, I think I, I I come from the view that I think the US dollar will will dissolve. You know, in a sense that it will no longer be the reserve currency if it doesn't win a war against China, right? So so that's that's why they have to stir all the rubbish at this point in time. And and I think it's like someone's gonna slap you. You're not gonna sit there, right? You're gonna like slap back right especially if you have the oh, ability for sure. They're gonna yeah. Fight to the nail. right yeah so I, I both think, both sides yeah. are gonna fight. It's, it's not a peaceful you know i i, I think people once and for all it have to move away from the narrative that you know everything will still be peaceful again and will come back and you know everybody kumbaya and make money again no no this is a real competition both sides are fighting right so this is my base assumption when i think about this when i think about how the us dollar will, will essentially depreciate away right now I, I will think about okay where do i put my money right how do i kind of shift some of these things around of course i think the sing dollar is relatively um, stable in the sense of the mechanisms that, that are involved to kind of play around with the global currency markets. You know, uh, of course, I think the yuan is, is definitely something to explore. And then when I look at it, it's, I, I think BTC is okay, right? It's a place to kind of put something so that down the road, if something happened, you know, it's, it's more of a hedge strategy, right? And, and, and that is my view. But I will also push to argue that I don't think it's going to take 80 years, right? Between the pound and the US dollar, it took about 80 years. But I, I do think it's going to shrink like this turnaround is going to be shorter maybe 10 20 maybe 40 but it's not going to be 80 years it's going to be much faster technology today yeah. has allowed it to be that much faster and to put it bluntly China has already essentially put out their own like digital currency ecosystem right and uh, even the Singapore has that uh, central bank digital currency right so a lot of these things are already coming in and if we are going to go into a place where digital currency issued by the central bank is the norm and the place to go, then I think, you know, BTC will hold some of its value there in that sense. Yeah. So that is, that is my logic flow. La. But I'm not a maxi. La. I'm not betting like my whole house yeah. on it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, what are your thoughts on like, you know, the Fed and what they're doing? right now it's like quantitative easing or tightening, you know, and how does it impact the current? I think know, the one is long past a story already, right? It is essentially, right. it is, it's not important anymore because it is the system that requires at this point in time, it's not like a good to have anymore. It's a baseline in the US dollar system that mm. if they don't have QE, they don't have this kind of interest rates manipulation, it's going to be, it's going to be very hard for them to, to even come back, right? Um, so, so I think, I think this, this is a given at this point, the expansionary monetary policy is a given in the US. 
right? It's between the stone and the hard place, right? Between inflation and that. So I don't think they have a way out, but I do broadly agree that some of the, the crypto rally in the recent weeks is tied to a lot of these kind of more uncertainty in the financial markets, where to go, what to do. And then you start to see people, even like me, to be like, okay, maybe uh, we got to put some money here because, <laughs> you know, at least it looks like this shit is more intact, you know, for... for <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And I think that the reason why I brought it up also is because, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Do you, like, do you think that like, you know, because you see like the Fed, you know, they, 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 they start to kind of raise interest rates, right? And then, they, you know, things start to break already, you know, like the banks, you know? So I I, I don't know. Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether they, they, are, they, would, they would be able to kind of do what Jerome Paul has been kind of like talking about last year. Right. Essentially to come yeah. back on the interest rates. I think they Correct. will. I think they will reduce the interest rates. Uh, whether or not they will continue to do expansionary quantitative, that means to increase mm. the liquidity in the market, that's a slightly different discussion. But I think when it comes to the direct interest rates policies, right? Yeah, they will play with some, but that will be a very different podcast. You know, mm. uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it will come down. There's too much pain on the ground, but that is a that's a different like recently some of my friends were texting me, my mortgage rates are going at 4.88%. And yeah. then and then they're like, oh my god what's happening right and then there's no other way to refinance because they're in the private property yeah. space yeah right? and to be fair yeah. if you take the private mortgage then you you cannot turn back to hdb loans you can't right yeah. you can't it's a one-way street yeah. out you go right so hdb must sponsor but anyway right that's a that's a that's a different discussion uh you should actually get someone uh that understand the fed's balance sheet as in like the context like the on the Fed's balance sheet, right, the assets are treasury and mortgage bond security. Then uh, on the liability side, it's all the notes that USD that people are holding. Then you should have a separate podcast on that. It's like a very educational. Then how do you decipher it the is. balance sheet? We should do that. Because that is a very long topic. Yes, it's a very long topic. I cannot finish everything. But on, on today's point, I think other than BTC, because, because I actually think BTC essentially is the beta today, right? In the market, right? It is it is the is the benchmark in the crypto market. But it looks like every other coin is also rallying, or many other tokens are rallying, right? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like Solana just rallied like crazy. Everyone is rallying. So my my take is that because the market leader like BTC is uh, rallying, yeah. So the rest of the altcoins will follow. In fact, there's one more narrative to it is when you talk to other people like the those that are not in crypto, right? So when you tell people there's an alternative assets that you can look into, then the first, or you talk about crypto, this word, the first thing to them is Bitcoin goes crypto. There's no other coins to them. And that's why if there is a, not say flight to quality product or asset, uh, and when someone thinks of alternative asset, right? Oh, I want to get into crypto, or oh, let me get Bitcoin. They will not be thinking, hey, let me get Solana. <laughs> So, but that <laughs> helps because uh, when Bitcoin goes up, then the rest follows, right? It's like, oh, the big brother, uh, the market cap is the highest. When it goes up, it's like the whole crypto market goes up together. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, That's why I feel, that's why the others are following. Uh, the, the only point that I'll add to Bosley's point here is that, you know, I, I think this is correlates with like the bull rally uh, in the stock market as well, the US stock market, you know, and, and I think this is just directly tied to yeah, the, the Fed's position. So what you're saying yep. is a risk-on mindset is, is better. That means people Correct. are taking, so, so right now it's people are taking risks again. Okay, okay. Yep. interesting. So, I mean, they're just weighing the odds, right? Like, you know, like what are the, you know, what are the chances like the Fed is really going to continue uh, raising rates, right? Yeah, yeah. And then versus like, what, what, what are the odds they'll come down? And I think that right now, it feels like we're headed towards, um, you know, the Fed's really slowing down on, on, the, on the interest rates rising. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we have the risk-on environment. Uh, and then this spills over to, you know, uh, crypto as well. 
Yeah. Interesting. Fair, fair, fair. And, yeah. and I think yeah. I think a baseline yeah. idea that everybody need, need to know is that money needs to go somewhere. Right. Yep. So it's where it's going. And there's whole industry of people in, in finance that is disturbing where money is going. Right. So money needs to go somewhere. Then uh yeah, maybe I I understand the logic, yeah, and I don't disagree yeah. with it. What I think is the most interesting from this discussion really is like, you know, like the, the potential, you know, like deep, like USD depegging, right? And then like, you know, the, the, the fight, you know, to maintain their, their, their status uh, as a dominant currency, dominant power. And, and I think that this also then segues very nicely into our second story. <laughs> Mark, I think I'm good at this segue. Okay, please go, uh, go. So if we're jumping to like the second story here, right? If we look at what they've been doing over the past six months, right? You put all those pieces together, you can say that they are waging some sort of war against crypto. Where, where I'm coming from here, right? It's not, obviously, like if, let, if we're talking about holding accountable, like fraudsters, like, you know, like Sam, the SBF, and then, you know, now even Do Kwon, uh, putting that aside, I think what has happened from the banking crisis uh, there are some signs there for, you know, like you have essentially crypto businesses having trouble finding a bank, right? And I'm, I'm just kind of referencing a Coindesk article here, like, you know, like uh, the rumor here is that, you know, when Signature Bank actually went down, right? The, the regulators essentially made the incoming buyers pass over like the crypto businesses in their portfolio. You know, so this this is very interesting because I'm not sure whether you guys do remember, but I think when Obama was around in the, in the when, when he was president, right? I think that there was some, this was in 2008, not wrong. There was this particular proposal called Operation Choke Point, where they were proposing to cut off controversial or like un-American type of businesses, like gun suppliers, gun stores, et cetera, et cetera, from like the financial services, right? So this is another way to hurt an industry that is not favorable through the financial industry, mm-hmm. right? So there, there is this thing that's happening. And I think one of the theories that, have, that has come up is that why would the US or the regulators sit back and allow a competitor to the USD to thrive? Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. So so I think the first thing that I think a lot of us need to realize is that no government will allow the free market to actually have free reign, right? So um, mm. everyone is maneuvering. <laughs> and as much as the Americans like to say that they are free market, bastions of the free market rubbish, right? So they are also actively managing their markets. Right? It's just in a way that they deem fit and in a way that their donors deem fit, right? So it is what it is. Everyone intervenes, right? So this is the first principles that we need to realize right and but it's interesting why the the guns are still on the streets like that nra is huge right but that's a different podcast once again <laughs> and that's a different show different it's show different right? yeah. but i think i think i guess like now but binance is binance right now is probably the equivalent of the nra right now uh, yeah yeah you know, like, yeah uh, they've got the, the you know the cftc which is like the, the commodities trading authority uh essentially you know like they've been going after them mm. right so i think the latest charge was that you know the charging but the charging binance and cz with willful evasion of federal law mm. uh and operating an, an illegal digital assets uh, derivatives exchange mm. right so uh, this to me is, is characterized very differently from what's happening with SBF you know mm. uh, uh, over here they're really just going going through like I think that it's like they're trying to set a precedent here about how exchanges in the US can operate mm. Mm. yeah and you see the other exchanges like Bitrex and Coin, Coinbase also coming under pressure from the US regulators mm. so mm. it makes me feel as, a, as you know just a, a bystander or rather like you know uh, as a journalist in this space that the US is starting to become very unfriendly to crypto mm. yeah mm. when what the market needs is just real clarity and regulations and you know instead of doing that right we're seeing all these lawsuits I think agree with the last part on what Mark said uh, so so if you think about it so if you are always very dominant and your USD is the powerful one, but you know that you are losing 
power and there are alternative assets coming in, then you want to fight them off, right? You, you, you cannot let them continue to gain their stance. So this is what I, how I feel. Uh, I'm not really into the politics kind of stuff, but as a user of a crypto user, right? The more restriction they put on the crypto market, the more belief that I have for the crypto market. That, that's how I see it as a user. Why? Uh, don't know, maybe I'm a rebel. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I feel that there must be something, there must be an issue. So, you, you can think of it two ways, right? They can say that I'm trying to protect you. I don't want you to be scammed and all this. If you get into a crypto market, then there's a high chance you get scammed, right? Because it's a very new market. But to do that, you do not need to kill off the market, right? You can actually put in regulation and give clarity. Like what Mark says. Right. Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, has been very open on Twitter. They keep on saying, you give me the clarity, I will make my exchange comply. But they, they, they never give anything, right? That another one will be, there must be something wrong with the trade fight subtanks or whatever. Then they are trying to block off this, right? If you have a new thing, there's a good thing that is coming. But why? And it's uh, beneficial for all everyone. Then why, why are you blocking it? Are you blocking it to save us from something, to protect us? Are you blocking it to just to protect yourself because you are losing power from it. And I believe more of the second point, which leads me to think that I should put even more belief into the thing that are blocking uh, which is the crypto space. Mm, mm, mm. That, that's actually really interesting and I managed to agree uh, although to be very clear also I mean obviously the US has not come up to say that you know like I mean they've not taken a position on this like, I think that is what I'm really inferring from what's happening so I could be very well wrong as well mm. but it does seem logical I would take this even further and this is a bit okay so this is a hot take uh, Reggie mm. hot take <laughs> hot take <laughs> right uh, I, I just think that the retail market for crypto is just not worth it for regulators as well, right? When something goes bad, right, uh, shit hits the fan, then they will, you know, like it becomes political already because then you're going to say that, hey, you didn't protect me from all these scams, from all these bad actors, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, it just sets the, the Web3 industry like, you know, like a few years back. It, it just holds back innovation because then we are we're caught in this mess where like we're trying to untangle the legal issues, you know? And that's just, I guess, a function of like, certain cultures and, you know, like certain political systems here across the world. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you're investing in crypto, right, it's really buyer beware. You know, I, I think that at the end of the day, that, that is what regulators should just, you know, approach in terms of, you know, trying to protect retail, right? Just make it clear that, hey, look, you know, like this is, there are, there are certain things about this industry that are unclear and then you invest at your own risk. I, I don't think that that point has been made clear enough, really, especially after, after like what has happened in the past year, mm. you know? So right now we're in a situation where do we try and regulate this to kind of like protect the retail investor better or should we just kind of like just cut retail out altogether? And then, you know, we're going to go back to what happened after the 08 crisis with, you know, you need to be an accredited investor to access certain, certain financial products, right? Because don't forget that the accredited investor thing, right, really came out of like the 08 financial crisis. Right. And I think it's a part of it's a sham as well, because, you know, it's quite easy to kind of, you can kind of buy your way into it or there are ways to kind of, you know, qualify. Well, we're going into those realms, huh? (laughs) I mean, so so the reason why this is hot takes because I think invariably this becomes political already. Like, you know, there's this, you know, anything the US touches, right, becomes like something like this. It's a shit show. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, I think that I have quite a pessimistic view to how like, you know, I think that, you know, uh, retail investors like myself uh, would be able to kind of enter this marketplace. Yeah, 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 fair, fair. I, 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 road, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, unfortunately. I think for Singapore, we did a, quite a hard stand, but we are quite clear. Mm. So the amount that you can on-ramp, the amount you can off-ramp, and uh, the certain exchange I allow you to use, 
So at the same time, I control the inflow of funds that you can all in. Uh, uh, so you can play, but I don't let you all in. I sort of protect you, right? Mm. And uh, and yeah. I tell you, these are the few exchange you can use. They got the MAS license and whatever. Because it's like chewing gum, you cannot totally block out, right? <laughs> People will still find their way in, in, in the ecosystem. Why not you try to have some clarity, right? You say, oh, you mm-hmm. need to, as an exchange, you need to apply for license. Coinbase recently came into SG, right? Uh, came back. Actually, they left and they came back. And uh, they got the license. They do all the regulation. They, they follow. And uh, they also have the on-ramp, off-ramp working with uh, StanChart. And uh, of course, there's a restriction. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, I do. Like, I think at the end of the day, right? I think Singapore, whatever it is, you lose money on crypto, right? Don't, don't go and call pay couple, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like even let's say that the exchange is kind of like, you know, like fraudulent or whatever, you know, and then like, you know, you go and like, oh, you know, this might be Tamasic back. How come they never do their duty properly? I mean, this is just what it's what it's like investing in, you know, like an area that is potentially grey right now, you know, and that is just moving at a fast pace. Oh, this is hard, man. This is hard. This, this is hard. hard. I, I don't I don't agree. This is hard. Everybody like to you know point a finger, it's your fault. <laughs> you you let me do this. Hard, hard, not every yeah, 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 things yeah. like it is. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, I, and I think that is the problem here. Like, you know, like the whole idea, the reason why you can make so much returns from this space because it's not certain yet, right? And then I think that accepting the risk from this is like, you know, you accept all the risks, right? Uh, obviously, I'm not saying that, that nothing should be done now, but I mean, you know, I, I, I do think that this issue here is just going to slow down innovation, it's going to slow everything down now. But I think maybe it's necessary. No, no, this is, this is first principles, right? Once you put in more legislation, you put in all these things, then you're going to make it harder for market entrance, right? Make it harder for, yeah. for things to move. It's the same thing with hawker centers and everything, right? Like, like So so that's a different story. Uh, but I think clarity clarity is much needed. But yeah, you do see um, the US government doubling down on the crypto space. And and I think if you ask me, rightfully so, uh, from the US government's perspective, right? Because um, it, is, it is competing with their ecosystem. But it's also a bit rich to say that the crypto ecosystem is competing with the trade file. You know, it's not there yet mm. in my view, right? But it is becoming a bigger and bigger concern. No? Yeah, it's 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 there, right? It, and if you think about the fundamental principles and if, especially if more and more crypto companies are shifting out of the US, right? And let's say coming to Singapore, going to other places, then yeah, la, even tax revenue also cannot, you know, the federal governments cannot take, right? So um, the incentive structure will, will change for for the US regulators so I mean and yeah that's kind of that's kind of my view lah. okay so this brings us to the third story Bosley take us through okay uh, I think the top story we are talking about the Twitter influence on crypto narrative lah. so Twitter has become a prominent force uh, for crypto as in uh, we call it CT I'm not sure if you know we call it like crypto Twitter <laughs> so I, I seldom use Twitter, but I go on board, right? Just to you know, find out all about the projects and uh, the different things, uh, the latest news about crypto is all happening there. And this sort of have uh, some pros and cons. La. So for example, recently, I just, just yesterday or the day before, uh, Elon Musk changed the logo, right? From uh, Twitter, the, the bird, Bluebird logo into the uh, Dogecoin. Then immediately uh, Dogecoin pump about uh, 30%. So there's another story is that the, I, I wouldn't call him an influencer. Actually, he has a lot of followers. Uh, he's called Kobe. And uh, his background is, at least the way that I know it, is got his wealth and his fame from trading crypto very in the early days. So he likes to send out encrypted messages using this hash called SHA256. Basically, it's a function. Uh. 
So you put in an input, you go through a function, it's a one-way hash and you output some uh, gibberish words. Then, uh, so people try to crack the code. Then, uh, so some people manage to crack it. La. So, and it reads like Interpol read notice from CZ. And that actually caused BNB to drop like 4%. So Twitter itself has become the source for news to get the first news. So if uh, there's no other media right, right now, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube, by the time you get your Twitter sources from this tree, it's already lagging behind on Twitter already. Yeah. Like for example, uh, on top of all these examples that I give, right, let, let me give you another one. Like yesterday night, so about 2 a.m., uh, Sentiment XYZ is a lending and borrowing protocol. They got hacked. That news came out on Twitter first. Then all the crypto media, the blog and all, then they follow up. Because right now, if you want crypto news firsthand, then you need to get on Twitter. But there are a lot of bots a lot of scam and a lot of fake news. It's like, trust me, bro. Right? Then they were just... Recently, trust there's me, a, bro. Recently, there's one called Wheels Holder or I don't know, Wheels Alert. I, I kind of forget the name. Anyway, they just called, they just put the Twitter headline, uh, their post, breaking crypto.com under investigation. Once that, there's no source, no nothing. It's just like, trust me, bro. Then people start to retweet and all this. Then the crypto.com CEO right, replied to the tweet right, and say that this is a fake fake news then uh, to clarify everything. So yes, you can get your first source, like the earliest source from Twitter, but you need to cipher out a lot of noise, right? The signal is there, but the noise is a lot. Yeah, so this is why I want to talk to the story, uh, Twitter's influence on crypto narrative. So, so the one thing I want I would add to that, right, is that just to Kobe, right, is a renowned Twitter sleuth. Okay, so he's like an investigative kind of like journalist almost on like Twitter and like he has, so he has built a lot of credibility there, right? So when he sends out something like this, people will take it seriously and then therefore you see the, you know, like uh, there's a correlation and then the price that drops. So, so that, that is the, the reason why. I think that Bosley also raises a great point, that point in that like you get the, the, the fastest kind of news on Twitter. The issue here is that because a lot of these things, these accounts, they're pseudonymous, uh, you know, you, do, you don't know where it's coming from. There's a big credibility issue. And a lot of these things are also put out to manipulate the market as we have seen, right? So, so th I think that that is one of those aspects about the, the Web3 or, the, or digital asset cryptocurrency space. And that's also why there is still a space for, you know, credible media. I think that they want to plug our own. Uh, no, channel, I'm not letting you why... plug. I'm not letting you plug. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you should listen, you should listen to broadcast. <laughs> but, but, but because anything go wrong, you can come and find me in my house. Uh, no, no worries. <laughs> not, not pseudonymous. <laughs> so annoying. So annoying. But anyway, yeah, it's, it, it is a real issue. Uh, because like, you know, you, you, you have these Twitter influencers with a, with a lot of influence and following, right? So uh, Interpol notice, you know, there is just no, there is just no documentary evidence, no proof, nothing. What it really is just like you know, because because this guy has broken stories before, so people believe it. Mm. You know, yeah, it's wild, it's wild. So so then so then okay okay for a newbie, right? So to be fair, I'm not active on Twitter in that sense. Okay, so if I'm a newbie and I want to be a little bit more like shrewd, right, on on Twitter and trying to find information, right, how should I think about this thing? It depends on what you're looking to do. Mm. If you're looking to try and make trades based on Twitter information, right, I would really highly advise against that because, you know, like the idea here is that once it hits the news, once it's public already, it's slow already, you know? Mm. Mm. You, know you know what I'm saying here? So, like, you know, like, so I think it depends on, on your intent. If you're looking to kind of make trades, um, I would trade very carefully. Love. 
right? And I also wouldn't want to recommend anyone you follow because I don't want to be, resp- be responsible for that. Like you follow someone and then you make trades based on this person's kind of uh, ideas, right? And then that's how problems actually start, mm-hmm. right? But I think if you're looking to get educated on the space in general, Twitter is a great resource. Mm-hmm. So then how does it work then? You, you, you cannot make trades based on uh, yeah. accounts because, <laughs> because there's uh, too much scammers and, then, and assholes because there. some of them are anon yeah, and uh, a lot of sources are trust me bro then uh, rare, rare. Yeah, yeah, I hate anon <laughs> I hate anon right but yeah, yeah it, it is but I think it, it can like from an educational standpoint you can find information that can kind of no 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 okay so I, I know I know you can find information yeah. and all that right so I'm not disputing that I'm saying like you know like how so stupid right when I talk to all these people then I say okay so how do you evaluate a project right so there's a new project coming you evaluate how do you evaluate the management go and see their LinkedIn profiles like you la. it's so so amateur like just to look at a LinkedIn profile right so it's, it's like you don't tell me you're a sophisticated fun house if you're just looking at people's LinkedIn profile right you're just lucky that this thing is on a uptrend right yeah so so with that same same idea of thought right like if I want to find out about something about a certain chain or certain project you know how do I go about you know uh, using Twitter in, in that sense like, do I just look at the official page and take it as everything or? There is a list of like, you know, I mean, the the, the, the industry actually has the news, media, journalism, and then the influencer category. And then with varying degrees of credibility, right? And also each with their own kind of niche specialization. So mm-hmm. for example, um, there's Raul Pell mm-hmm. from Real Vision. I mean, like he's like a, a macro investor, lah. Right, so like I think he has a lot of credibility in that in that macro space. But then he also does apply that towards Bitcoin and Ether. You know, then, so there are things like that that you can have to do research. You know, it's a list, and then like you know, like you will follow like you know, like your your credible news sources as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know how Bossley does it, but you know, this is yeah, Bossley, Bossley, shed the light. I I like to follow small accounts because they are like the accounts are hungrier. They are trying to get a lot more uh, followers. So they will break news faster and uh, because they are hunting, right? So every day they are hunting because when you provide out, when you give alpha or rather not alpha, uh, when you give value, you, you will gain followers. Ma. So they are, they are hungrier. So I like to follow small accounts. Another one is that when I go into a certain project, so I follow a Twitter account of the project and I also find the hashtag to see anyone else talking about it or not. If you go and you see that everyone is talking about it and using the same messages, same wording. Uh, uh, sometimes you will decipher that, hey, actually this is just bots. Mm. Right? Because some, especially NFT project. Uh, so if anyone is getting the NFT, you can see that the <laughs> NFT project starts in maybe uh, March 2023 and suddenly 100k followers. Then the post, maybe six posts, then all the six posts have like 100k likes or 20,000 retweets. This is so obvious. This 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 whole thing is uh they paid la, just to get the six posts up. But when you see it, some of the people might think that oh 100 k follower I can trust. Then they jump into it, right? But this is like very scammy kind of uh, setup la. So you have to decipher. So it's not just when you see a account, a project account, and because that project account has a lot of followers and have tweets that have uh, a lot of likes and retweet, it means that this account is legit. You have to do one more step. That means um, maybe search for the name on Twitter like, just to see anybody talking about it or not. And the way that people talk about it, right? Is it a bot set up messages or are there authentic people that are really talking about it uh, and you decipher from there? So basically back to what Mark said, right? You still need to do your own research, right? These are just steps. In the end, you still need to, based on your own uh, decision to decipher, wow, this one can go. I have found a gem. Or this one cannot go. I found a rock. Yeah. 
Okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. Man, it, I think this calls for a much longer discussion. How to decipher information? Because uh, I'm generally very annoyed when people tell me, you know, do your own research. It's like, yeah, I know, we want to do our own research. You must tell me the parameters of the research. How do you do it, right? What are your parameters of thought? Right, but this is a different discussion. It's a much longer one. I think that like a key a key part of that is just really understanding why you're looking for the information first, mm. and I think mm. that that is it's not an easy question to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need right. we have a so, much longer discussion. So yeah, cool, cool. Any last things to add on the three stories today, or any last any other things you wanna just drop hot takes for the week? No, no hot takes, sir. But I mean, you know, it's nice. You know, see, there's a rally in the markets. Mm. Um, yeah, it's nice. So, I mean, we've got positive things to kind of like celebrate, which you kind of, you know, no say, hey, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tim yeah. is not around <laughs> to celebrate together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, I think uh, let's see where this brings us. Hopefully, the market will perform in the way you want it to perform, right? I think that's it. that's why everybody invests in the markets. So, yeah, that's it for this week. Next week, we will come back on regular programming. So, it's going to keep coming. And uh, let's see where this brings us. So, yeah. Take care, guys. This is Blockcast. We'll See you next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Hey, coconuts. So yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead. And uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project. But we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually, you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff, then that is where we're trying to cover, but not from the angle of like, this is good, that is bad, but really trying to see it from like, what is happening? How is it developing? And I hope you find this useful and interesting, right? So if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space, check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week.